Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It has been a difficult week in this country, in particular in northern Saskatchewan and the James Cree First Nation. Tomorrow marks one week since that stabbing rampage that left 10 members of the community dead. This whole awful situation added one more victim, uh, Damien Sanderson. Apparently, it seems, murdered by his brother, Miles Sanderson. Uh, That was followed by a four-day-long manhunt for Miles Sanderson, again, believed to be responsible for this stabbing rampage, culminated in his arrest and then his death, which was shocking in and of itself. We saw the images of Miles Sanderson standing aside the police vehicle being arrested, only to learn shortly thereafter that he had died while in police custody. We did learn uh, late yesterday that uh, RCMP have found the vehicle they believe was used by Miles Sanderson during the time of those stabbing attacks that occurred uh, last Sunday, September 4th. But many questions, obviously, and and I suppose some of the answers uh, did die with the Sanderson brothers. Questions about how this could possibly happen in the first place. Questions about the justice system, the parole system. Questions about the police, the police investigation, the police response. And obviously now some of the silence from police, at least for now, about the circumstances uh, under which Miles Sanderson died. Joining us uh, for some thoughts on uh, these and and many other questions. Very pleased to welcome to the program this afternoon, Michael Kempa. He's an associate professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa. Professor Kempa, uh, Kempa, good to have you with us here. Let me ask you, first of all, though, you know, with everything going on, all of these questions, how important is transparency right now? Transparency was the big lesson of what went wrong in the Portapique massacres in Nova Scotia, as we've been learning through the Mass Casualty Commission. It does seem that the RCMP has been very sensitized by this ongoing commission. They've done their best to apply the lesson of reaching out to the public with emergency alerts as quickly as possible and cooperating with other police agencies to effectively have that network across the entire province as quickly as possible. They told the public what they needed to know for their safety quickly, but now they are going to hold back certain information until they're sure that whatever they release will not compromise the outcome of the very important investigation that will be designed to uncover the things we need to learn to improve the system to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Right. So in the immediate aftermath of all of this, now that one phase of this is complete, what what are the immediate steps here? Well, the immediate step is to really figure out how Miles Sanderson and his brother went off the rails in terms of their uh, conditions of parole, issues to do with substance abuse, issues to do with staying away from certain people and not misleading uh, parole officers about following conditions or not. One thing we have to understand, people are are rightly very concerned about the parole process right now. And there's people looking to blame maybe one or two people that made a mistake. It is not going to come down to one or two actors that made a mistake. There are systemic issues in parole that have to be addressed. It's not going to be as simple as people expect, but they are problems that we can fix. You mentioned the, the inquiry into the, uh, the the massacre in Nova Scotia. Is is this a situation you think that it, that is going to require something similar? Are we likely to see? Do we need to see uh, an inquiry on this whole situation? If there were to be an inquiry, I would say see, an inquiry is very large, and it has to do with summoning testimony under oath and so forth. 
I would say maybe in this case, a review might be more appropriate. It would be smaller and it would be directed not only at what the RCMP did in the early hours and so forth and how they conduct their investigation and how, what are the precise circumstances that Miles Sanderson passed away in medical distress. It would also include what went wrong in the systemic failures that led to Miles Sanderson being at large and not picked up. We're going to find things like parole officers have too large of a caseload. Since 2014, we've cut funding in that area. We're going to find that there is not adequate coordination between the parole board and community policing uh, branches of the RCMP and independent municipal police services. So when people are, as we say, twisting in the wind, they're gone, on, they've, they've absconded on their parole conditions. We're better at mobilizing that network to find them. We're going to find step-by-step step things we can do for where the system somehow allowed Miles Sanderson and his brother to be back out at large and you know, committing this terrible atrocity in the public. Right. I mean, it feels like every step of the way the system failed. I mean, we can even go back to, to uh, you know, Miles Sanderson's uh, childhood and, and, you know, what we've learned about just how, how awful his upbringing was. It, where was the system there? Uh, constant encounters with the justice system, uh, you know, constantly in and out of prison. The rehabilitation side seems to have failed. The, the parole, the release, uh, being unlawfully at large, just every step of the way things seem to go sideways. Well, that is absolutely true. We, we often are very focused on police error and police bias and police racism and so forth. Mm -hmm. We can't forget, though, that it has been documented that there are similar biases and problems in other of the social services institutions. So child services has at different points in time exhibited a high degree of, of discrimination against racialized families and especially indigenous families, where problems have not been properly dealt with or they've been dealt with in more of a um, repressive way rather than a resolving type way as they are with other types of families. All through the process, we can't just limit our look at the public police. They are very important, the police, but they are part of a network of community safety and crime control. These agencies have to work together, and in fact, they do very well in northern Saskatchewan, this is the area of the country that pioneered the so-called hub model of community policing that links all of these agencies together to try to address people who are at risk, such as Miles Sanderson. So we have to think, if in northern Saskatchewan, we know this to be an area in the country where this type of hub model has been working perhaps better than elsewhere, and still it failed, it would suggest we're in a lot of trouble elsewhere in the country. Yeah, a big question about whether or how this could have been prevented, but in terms of the response to the massacre, and you alluded to it, and it feels like there were some lessons learned from Nova Scotia in terms of uh, getting alerts out in a timely fashion, uh, providing those those constant updates, uh, the cooperation between various agencies, uh, and, and, you know, maybe there's still some some flaws in that response, but definitely seems a, a world of difference from, from what happened in Nova Scotia. Is that your sense? It is a world of difference, and it would seem that the RCMP has finally received the message. Nova Scotia was not the first tragedy where the RCMP was overly economical with releasing information and not cooperating with other police organizations. There was the instance of um, the teenaged uh, killing spree that resulted in three deaths in, ben in, in British Columbia in 2019, for example. Very similar story. Each time, 
the RCMP has been reminded, you've got to get out in front of these things. Leave behind the sort of mentality that you are a paramilitary, gendarmerie-type organization, and you are, in fact, an ordinary community policing, local service delivery institution in much of the country by contract. And that message has permeated not only people's minds, I think people have been thinking that way in the RCMP for a long time, but their structures, their protocols are being adjusted to reflect that. Belatedly, because we did hear the commissioner, Brenda Lucky, say only last week at the commission in Nova Scotia that as far as she knew, no institutional changes had been made since the Porta Peak massacres in the RCMP. I think that on the ground, officers have adjusted their practices. Well, and it comes at an interesting moment. I mean, obviously, in Alberta and other provinces, there's that conversation around policing. Does the contract policing model still work? Do we need to rethink the RCMP's overall mandate, move to provincial police forces in provinces like Alberta or Saskatchewan? What does this whole situation tell us about whether that's the, the path to go down or what the implications could be? There's no question that the mandate of the RCMP has to be reconsidered. I don't think it's a binary. So some people say, well, either get the RCMP completely out of municipal contracted policing and provincially contracted policing and establish wholly independent municipal services and provincial services across the country, or leave it as it is with the RCMP picking up all of this via contract. Now, you can't just throw a switch and move to that completely independent model overnight. Where would the money come from? Where would all of the police officers come from for these remote areas and so forth? Rather, what I'm saying is you're going to scan the country and say, where is it working well for the RCMP on contract? And where would it make sense to move in the direction of independent policing services? For me, Very often, it doesn't matter what police organization you put in place. What matters is, is that police organization properly accountable to the community? Is there a strong local body Mm -hmm. that sets the priorities for the police, representative of the community, and that also is capable of linking the police to that community so that there's cooperation? Too often, in the case of the RCMP, that is missing because ultimately the RCMP answers to Ottawa. But in some cases, the RCMP has modified their approach and they've set up these local councils, even though the legislation's not there yet. So I think we can be smart and we can find where it's working well and support it for the RCMP. And where it's not working well, just say it's not a matter of an insult or saying that the organization is a failure, simply that perhaps that model has outgrown its usefulness in the context of a society that is very different. And if some municipalities and provinces want to go in the other direction, um, that's not a black mark on the RCMP or a dark mark on the RCMP. It's just moving on. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.